Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friends experts my situation and they found me just the thing this sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch even with my picky family i know next time i need something i'm shopping at total wine and more welcome everyone to another episode of the nba podcast i'm brian toporek and in today's episode we'll talk about whether Dwayne wade has played his last game for the chicago bulls we'll talk about the ongoing race to the bottom with the tanking teams and we'll also discuss some NCAA tournament prospects who would look good in some NBA uniforms next year. Before we get underway, just a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so be sure to give... Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-sized prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Best to follow as well. You can find us this year on iTunes. We'd love it if you subscribe, downloaded, leave some reviews. We'd appreciate any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so be sure to check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRagNBA. Zach Harper, formerly of CBS Sports, is writing for us. He's been doing some great coverage heading into the playoffs. We've also got a bunch on the NCAA tournament and how that will affect the NBA. So again, check out FanRag Sports at FanRag Sports on Twitter. Joining me today, as always, is Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. Without Sarah today, unfortunately. Yes, unfortunately, Sarah could not join us today. I think, frankly, she's just upset that we jinxed them, <laughs> her Spurs, on the uh, on the last episode. There, we basically gave the Sports Illustrated curse our version of it. So apologies to Sarah and all Spurs fans, but she should be back for the next episode. Uh, so Mort, I know we, we've, we've tried to not talk about the Bulls of the Sixers as much in the last couple of weeks because we've been overdosing on that all year, but unfortunately your Bulls are back in the news. Uh, Dwayne Wade suffered a minor elbow fracture on Wednesday against the Grizzlies. He is done for the year. Fun story, I was actually at that game, oh. and I was wondering, in the fourth quarter, it was like, wow, we're seeing a lot of Denzel Valentine. That's 
that's weird. You, you did not realize at the game that Dwayne Wade got hurt. But unfortunately, he did. So, Mort, I need to ask you this question first because he has a player option uh, that he had for 2017-18. You know, obviously the Bulls have been somewhat of a mess this year. Mm. Do you think Wednesday was Dwayne Wade's last game in a Bulls uniform? It's a really good question because his player option, I don't remember the exact number. He's He would be getting paid next year if he uh, opts in. I think it's somewhere around $24 million. Mm-hmm. And so you have to put that up against what would he get in an open market. He has mm-hmm. been thoroughly average this year, and his defense has been horrendous. He has become a low-efficiency player. I think his true shooting percentage was almost at straight-on 50, which is like five percentage points below league average. So it depends. He's 35. What are teams going to offer? If he takes that one year at $24 million and then signs with someone else the next year for about $7 million, would that be better than, for example, going out and getting two years... 20, $24 million combined, yeah, it would be. So I think the economic, economics would point him towards opting in. But mm-hmm. then again, you can turn around and say he's earned so much money over the course of his career, so it might not really matter all that much. But given that he left Miami because of dollars and cents, I'm not going to put it past him to opt in due to financial concerns or whatever he has. Yeah. I mean, I think that is that is the question. How much dysfunction is $24 million worth? And how much can you put up with for $24 million? Because I, I totally agree with you. I do not think he gets that same type of offer on the open market, even if he's willing to sign a one-year deal elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like this injury is not a huge deal. Like, if it happened two months ago, he would not be out for the season. So I don't think that will play into his decision-making, whereas a guy you know, like Rudy Gay, who tore his Achilles, is now saying yeah. he may or may not opt out of his deal. Uh, so I don't think for injury reasons he will opt in. I think it's going to come down to what the Bulls do with the draft. If they trade Jimmy Butler, I can't see Dwayne Wade signing on for a complete rebuild. Um, but if they keep Jimmy and they let Rondo go, you know maybe he decides it's worth hanging around like he he knows the Bulls are not going to win a championship in 2018 but at least they could be frisky win 40 games contend for a playoff spot much as they're doing now despite their best efforts to sabotage um so yeah I I think it will really come down to what the Bulls do with Jimmy Butler at the draft and I mean frankly it sounds like you know I've heard that Gabby his wife and their kids like being in Chicago so maybe it comes down you know like with, yeah, much like with home. Carmelo and uh, with Carmelo and Lala, like maybe the family factors into where you want to be. So, you know, who who knows what, what how that will sway him. Um, I do want to ask you this. So we've seen a lot more of Paul Zipser and Denzel Valentine since D Wade went down. Yep. Have you seen anything out of those two guys that makes you hopeful for the Bulls' future? Well, Valentine has gotten his three ball going. He's still absolutely terrified to take a shot near the rim, so he's probably going to be a strictly shooter. Um, the fact that he can't create off the bounce is going to limit his potential. He That was actually one of his strengths at Michigan State. That has mm-hmm. not been able to transfer over to the league. I'm not sure why. It could be something he develops from this year to next year. Not really sure. His defense in the Early uh, starts of the, the early start of the season was pretty good. It was actually decent. He's dropped off a little bit because he's not explosive. 
his his shots are very weird because he panic shoots at times <laughs> and they, he way overshoots them. So I think he needs to pace himself a little bit better. That might come in year two, maybe year three. So I'm not really sure what you're gonna get from him, but I mean, hey, I'm I'm okay with keeping him around to see if there is something, but I'm not overly optimistic about his progress. Uh, Paul Sipser, the guy who has three bones and two feet, um, right. yeah, had to have a special shoe made for him and everything. Yeah, that was that was kind of fun. He's he's one of those guys who can play both forward spots, who can shoot. So I would try to play him a little bit more as a stretch four. I mm. don't like him playing the three. He seems a little bit too slow for it. And then up comes the question, what about Bobby Portis? Yeah, you know, there are a lot of young players on the Bulls roster, but you can actually put the same question to each and every one of them. Are they any good? <laughs> Is that, right. I mean, it seems like these guys would be perfect for and a redraft in the mid-20s, right? It doesn't seem like any one of those guys are worth any lottery selections for mm-hmm. if, you, if you were to put them on the trade market or yeah they're, they're just gonna be somewhat average players overall is my estimation so far i'm not really seeing anything special out of anyone uh, cameron Payne included yeah right and he's he, he's still banged up right he, he he's injured, still banged up yeah yeah he injured the foot that he had the jones fracture in so that is uh, only making that trade look worse, but hopefully he can get back on the court soon. I'm with you. I mean, I, I've been impressed by Denzel from what I've seen in his, you know, in the game against Memphis the other night. Like, he looked good. He knocked down a couple of big threes late in the fourth. Um, and then last night, against, uh, last night against Utah, he also played well. He got a double-double. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think he's ever going to turn into, like, an all-world defender, but he's you know he's got the frame where he at least should stand a chance on that end. Uh, I'm with you. I'd like to see him create a little more off the dribble, but I think that may be his role being limited more so than his skill set. So maybe the fact that he's going to get you know these last ten games of exposure um, will help him develop both the confidence in himself and then the confidence in Hoiberg. Uh, that you know, Hoiberg sees him and is like, "All right, we we need to give you more of a role next year, uh, regardless of whether Wade comes back." So it's just it's concerning to me. Have you seen how many three throws he's taken this year? I have not. I would All guess right. very few. Yeah, he's he's played seven hundred and ten minutes. He's taken thirteen free throws. His free throw rate mm. is at six point one percent. So that to me suggests that he's not going to be a guy who is going to be like multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Much like Nikola Mirotic actually looked in his rookie season. By the way, speaking of Nico, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm really not sure what's going on there because he looked great under Thibodeau, right? And under Fred Horberg, he's just become a shooter more so than a scorer. Or not, he has. He's been put in a role as a shooter yeah. instead of being a scorer. And it's that is actually what made me now officially go. I'm not on board with with Fred anymore. He has oh, completely wow. mismanaged Nico. This was a guy who was supposed to be a perfect fit within this drag screen offense, you know, that that Fred was famous for at Iowa State. But instead, he's just pigeonholed Nico for two straight years. It's mm. not going to work out. And and while I think it's unfair that Fred has been giving the 
roster that he has, com- considering what his strengths are with this pacing and spacing and whatnot, and then he's given a roster that can't shoot. Right. He has mismanaged his players severely. So it's it's an unfortunate situation all around. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, I think it was Mark Stein had a column yesterday about how there, <laughs> there have been no in-season coach firings, which marks like the first time in 40 years, but he did mention Hoiberg as... Someone who is somewhat on the hot seat. Uh, also, Bulls fans, if you haven't read it, Ken Berger, formerly of CBS Sports, had a great column at Bleacher Report the other day about the Bulls, just their overall dysfunction um, mm. and why it sounds like Hoiberg is going to be safe this summer as long as Garpacks stay around, and it sounds like Garpacks are going to stay around this summer. So, Bulls fans, you have a lot to look forward to next year. It's You're <laughs> basically running it back. So... Uh, the Bulls somehow, despite their best efforts, remain in the playoff race, so this may not be the last time we talk about them, unfortunately. Let's talk about a few teams who are not in the playoff race uh, and who are intentionally trying to fall further and further out of the playoff race. First, we're going to start with the Los Angeles Lakers, who have shut down both Timofey Mozgov and Luol Deng for the season, according to ESPN's Ramona Shelburne. Uh, she said, you know, if injuries pop up they could always put them back in the rotation but as of now both guys are out brandon ingram and uh zubach are both starting and playing a lot of minutes so more you know <laughs> i i'd say it was safe to say even when these contracts were signed we widely panned them we were not the only ones to do so they just mm-hmm. they looked awful right from the get-go they've only become worse throughout the year so what do you think the Lakers do with Mozgov and Deng moving forward? They're both signed through 2019-2020. They're taking up about more than $30 million in cap space each of the next three years. Well, what can they do? Because of the factors you just mentioned, they're not really movable unless you take on longer-term worse deals. I mean, mm-hmm. you can always there's this saying, you can always move a bad deal in the NBA as long as you should take on one that is equally bad or worse. Right. That That is where it is, it's at. I mean, they could theoretically give up a draft pick or several draft picks to get those contracts off their books but Mm -hmm. that is just not a position that they're in to do so because it's not a luxury they have especially Mm -hmm. if this year's pick goes to philly yeah they are really they are really strapped here in in this case i mean those deals are looking worse and worse and worse they handicap themselves completely but i will say this though with luol dang no one really expected him to drop down to the level he played this year. I mean, mm-hmm. that decline came as a surprise to, I think, us all. Right. We were all thinking, okay, in, in L.A., he could probably average like 14 and 7, be this mentor and everything. I still think he's a great locker room guy. Yeah. But his on-the-court play has just been horrific. And I actually have a question to you because it seems weird to me that the Lakers are tanking right now. We agree with that, right? Because yes. they're trying to get that draft pick. Right. Then Without why wouldn't you? Right. So why wouldn't you play Lou, who's been awful? <laughs> like, they take yeah. Lou and Moskov off the team, more or less. They've both been dreadful. Right. And so they're going to get better, not worse. Like, okay, I can see the angle of them getting the the youngsters more minutes, so they're going to yeah. focus on player development. But look, that could actually end up squeezing out a couple more wins. Mm-hmm. then it could losses, and that hurts their chances in the draft. So I'm not really sure this is the right approach. Yeah, as you... A couple of thoughts there. Uh, first, in the in the young guy, uh, you know, 
squeezing out more wins. The team we're going to talk about next, the Phoenix Suns, have been dealing with just that. They've also moved a couple guys out of the rotation. Their young guys have come in, played really well, and they've now they're far enough ahead of the Lakers where it seems like it's going to take a lot for the, the Suns to outtake the Lakers down the stretch. The Lakers are most likely going to enter the lottery with the second best odds, um, which gives them slightly more than a 50-50 chance to keep their pick. Uh, on the Deng and Mozgov note, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, like they're kind of stuck here because you know until the lottery, the earliest pick they can trade is 2021, I believe, because if they move, if their first round pick goes to Philly this year. Their 2019 first goes to Orlando for, as part of the, <laughs> the Dwight Howard trade from years ago. So, I mean, they're really stuck if if that pick conveys to Philly. They are super mm. screwed. Even if not, then their 2018 first-round pick unprotected is owed to Philly, so they, the earliest they could trade is a 2020 first. So either way, they don't have picks that they can trade Unless it's after the draft, you can always you know pick a guy and then yeah uh, move him, and there's no restrictions there. So in that regard, they're definitely stuck. They do have a lot of young guys. You know, maybe they decide, look, Mozgov is so bad, we're willing to package him with like Julius Randle. Maybe we're not sold on Julius Randle. Uh, or the the one the big guy, the thing I'm like most fixated on right now in this Lakers tank race is D'Angelo Russell. Uh, yeah. because all of a sudden Luke Walton put Jordan Clarkson in the starting lineup, moved D'Angelo Russell to the bench. D'Angelo Russell has been awful the last couple games, mm-hmm. and his body language seems bad. He's been delivering some quotes after the game that's just like, he seems checked out. And I thought, you know, last year we blamed Byron Scott for <laughs> 95% of D'Angelo Russell's struggles. Um I still think Byron was at fault for most of them, but I'm thinking that percentage needs to come down somewhat because we are now, you know, D'Angelo is now almost halfway through his rookie contract. I was really high on him in the 2015 draft. I thought he had all-star potential. Um, I still want to believe, but it's becoming harder and harder to believe. Yeah, we actually spoke about this was the last episode. Yeah, with Brandon Ingram. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, we're right. I I, I included Russell in that talk. I'm not sold on him at all. He's played almost, uh, oh, he actually cracked it, 3,700 minutes in the NBA so far. I mean, obviously, it's still a low amount, but it's not not substantial. It's it's a substantial amount, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't seem significantly improved. Right. Uh, he doesn't get to the line a whole bunch. That passing vision of his, I feel, is being underutilized a lot. Even yeah. when he has the ball, because yes. he's looking for the score a lot more, he just seems passive, uninterested at times, uh, lazy defensively. I'm, I'm just, I'm not sold on him at all. And if some team out there is falling in love with him and they're offering like a top five draft pick, I'd say go for it. Oh yeah. Oh, I without mean, question. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if he could fetch that much. Honestly. No, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, even before, you know, since the minute that draft happened, the Sixers fan stream was always like, let's just sway up, swap uh, D'Angelo Russell for Jaleel Okafor. So if Magic <laughs> Johnson is still in love with Okafor like he was two years ago, I'm sure Brian Colangelo would happily take his calls. 
Um, all right, let's move on to the Phoenix Suns because they, like the Lakers, openly tanking right now. They yeah. just recently shut down Eric Bledsoe for the season. He's been dealing with knee soreness, quote-unquote, but when uh, head coach Earl Watson was asked about why Bledsoe is not playing anymore, he dubbed it a management decision, which basically says we are openly tanking. Yeah. Uh, that said, Tyler Ulis has now moved into the starting lineup. He notched his uh, first career double-double on Wednesday, and Allian Williams has been an absolute monster since the trade deadline. So we should also mention that before Bledsoe got shut down, they also just completely removed both Tyson Chandler and Brandon Knight from the rotation. So now three of what you presumed heading into the season of their top six guys are completely out of the rotation. Uh, so, Mort, do you think they have any chance of out-tanking the Lakers? That's a good question because Marcus Chris is still uh, active. Yeah. And he's he's doing well. I mean, mm-hmm. he's really finding that stroke. He's finding his rhythm. So he could potentially carry them a little bit. Devin Booker is still alive, so to speak. Right. Uh, so I don't know. I if I feel if I had to choose like what <laughs> tanking train I'd go on, mm-hmm. it would probably be the Lakers at the end of the day. But I mean, it would have felt the Lakers a lot more if they had played Dang and Moskov as I mentioned <laughs> previously. Right. But but no, I mean the Lakers seem worse in that instance because at least Phoenix have capable youngsters who can really do some damage, right? I mean, Booker is, if we compare him to D'Angelo Russell, a lot better. Yeah. Just a lot better. You have T.J. Warren who can still play, um, and he's young. He's he's 23, I think, and he's mm-hmm. finding his rhythm as well. Chris, as I mentioned, Alan Williams has been balling. I'm glad you touched on that because he's been a feast. He's, he's only 6'8". Yeah. I mean, I hadn't watched him a whole lot last year. And coming in this year, I hadn't watched a whole lot of Phoenix. And I, I had completely forgotten about him. But then his box score numbers started popping up. I was like, yeah. oh, I got to check out the Suns a little bit more. And then I kind of looked at the game. I was like, oh, I completely forgot. This dude was on the roster last year as well. He's 6'8". And he's grabbing, like, what, 12 boards a game over a stretch and 13, 14 rebounds. <laughs> he's just he's Reggie Evans with an offensive game. Yeah, he's been... He's really intriguing. Spoiler alert, he will show up later in the podcast as well. But yeah, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, So I guess here's the question now. So we have, you know, the Suns, they have a very promising group of young players that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what do you think they do with Brandon Knight and Tyson Chandler moving forward? Oh, I mean, you trade them for whatever they can get. At least least in regards to Tyson because of his age... Mm-hmm. I probably would hang on to Brandon Knight a little okay. bit just to see if he could bring up that trade value a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I, Brandon Knight, to me, is a lot better than what he showed this year. I, agree. I mean, he he averaged almost 20 last year and five assists and four rebounds. He, he was doing a lot of damage last year. Yeah. He's better. Yeah. So his trade value right now is just so so low and you don't trade low so you give it you you bring him back you play him at least half a season you try to find his mojo whatever and then at trade deadline 2018 you see what you got Mm -hmm. in terms of offers and then you if if there is something there that is worth moving him for you do it yeah but in terms of tyson just get out of that contract by any means necessary yeah yeah, I'm with you uh, on both. I do think Brandon Knight is better than what he showed this year. 
And he signed, I think, for at least two, if not three more years at a relatively reasonable deal. So it's not, he's not hamstringing their cap situation, especially considering how many guys they have on their rookie deals. Um, Tyson, yeah, I mean, unless unless you're just completely out on Alex Len, which might be the case if you're Phoenix, um, you know, and you need you need a guy who could just hold the fort down at center because uh, they don't really have, you know, I don't think Dragon Bender can do it full time. Marquise Curse is showing out a power forward. I don't think you want him to move him to center. I don't think Alan Williams could do that full time necessarily. Um, yeah. So, so maybe you keep him around for that reason. But yeah, I think if you're Phoenix, you definitely explore the trade market this summer for both guys. You know, it, if a team gets left out in the cold and is entering the season with like no starting center, then maybe Tyson Chandler becomes more appealing. But uh, I mean, I, I think long term, I'm pretty high on Phoenix just because of like how they have a lot of really promising young guys. Uh, It'll just be fun to kind of see how it comes together. But I'm also with you. There's no way they're going to out-tank the Lakers uh, just because of how well a lot of those young guys are playing. They're two games up on the Lakers right now. The Lakers have shown zero signs of wanting to be competitive. They're playing the Cavaliers tonight. Even if the Cavaliers rest all three of their big three, I I really think the Lakers could lose that game. It might be one of the tankiest games we see all year. Um, So, yeah. Uh, let's let's now move on to. Actually, before we do this, I want to f- throw one question out at you. So we agree that, that both Phoenix and LA are blatantly tanking right now, right? Mm-hmm. So why aren't they catching crap like the Sixers did for three years? Uh, well, I think it's because it isn't necessarily a part that was a part of the plan that was. Advertised, like it seemed that the whole Philadelphia Sam Hinkie experiment was sort of like advertised tanking, <laughs> right? Um, it, because the media picked up on it immediately. E- even the organization was out saying, "You know what? This is going to be rough. This is going to be really, mm-hmm. really rough for a long time." Mm-hmm. So it, it was. I think it was the associated comments to the tanking, and not the tanking mm-hmm. per se. It was the fact that it was an approach. Yeah, but then to Sam Hinkie's credit, I think he changed the way that you look at tanking, because mm-hmm. now it's about gaining an advantage. It's tricking the system. Right. Um, it it isn't a lack of competitiveness. It's just kicking the competitiveness can down the road a little bit, so you can mm-hmm. pick it up later. Um, I don't really look at tanking in the same negative light that I used to anymore. It's not that I enjoy it because some of those games, my God, I <laughs> right. no, no fan should be, should pay eighty dollars for a ticket. Correct. Uh, so I, I think it could be extremely fun to see the NBA, NBA teams, you know, twerk uh, with the or tinker with the um, with the with the prices a little bit when it comes to tanking. Like if they reach a certain part of the season, they go, you know what, we're not going to win anything. So. Mm-hmm. Tickets are going from like five to twenty five dollars yeah. for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I think that would also create some goodwill in the communities. Agreed. Definitely. I mean, why not? What What do they have to lose? You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they, <laughs> I I think that would be a hard sell for the owners who are just in. You know, most yeah. of whom are in this just to make money. Um, but 
yeah, I agree that no no fan should be playing full price to see this Lakers squad or this Sun squad. Like you, you're paying to see Eric Bledsoe. Or you're, you know, you're probably not paying to see Luol Deng, but you know, you're you're paying to see a competitive squad. Uh, I I think you're right though. I think it was the messaging. You know, the yeah. I but I can't tell what's worse, honestly. Like I can't. You know, the Lakers have won like three or four more games per year on average than the Sixers over the last four years. So is it like is it worse to have gone into this the last four years saying like we're gonna suck but we're gonna accumulate talent we're gonna you know we have a long term plan whereas the Lakers it's like yeah we're gonna, we're gonna try to be good for three and a half years and like this last half year we've intentionally sucked but <laughs> I really can't tell what's worse but no, I do I, think... I think it's I think it's it's due to perception because here's the thing. <clears throat> You, you kind of figured that with Sam Hinkie and everyone in the Philly organization, they were competent. And right. they were. They were extremely competent, just in a way that you didn't really imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with L.A., you kind of knew yeah. that it was a mess. It, it right. seems like teams that are undergoing internal mess are given more leeway. Like, yeah. just look at the Bulls. Look at Sacramento, right? Look at the Knicks. Like... No one is really crapping on the Knicks in terms of losing games. It's because that is expected. What sure. they're crapping on is an owner who doesn't understand how to manage a team. Uh, it, but but the results are really a secondary for the Knicks. Not to their fans, <laughs> that, but, but for outside perception. Right. So it, it, it could be viewed as a compliment to the 76ers. Like, you guys are competent. You shouldn't yeah. be losing. Right. Whereas with the Lakers, oh, you're losing because you're straight on incompetent, right? Yeah. So it, perception in this game matters more than reality, I fear. Yeah. yeah, that's a fair point. And so let's let's move on to the team you just brought up, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, you know, oh, no, do we have to? <laughs> we do. Because no surprise, uh, since trading Boogie, they have not been very good. They won their first game with without him. They proceeded to lose their next eight. So they are three and nine overall uh, since trading Boogie, but there are signs of hope. At least a couple. Buddy Heald's been decent since coming there. The, oh, the you real... mean he hasn't been Stephen Curry good? <laughs> Not quite. He's uh, he did, he's like showing a little more uh, like off the bounce creation yeah, than yeah. I than he did in New Orleans. So that's at least interesting. But the big winner so far on Sacramento's end has been Willie Cauley Stein. Uh, he's just been playing really well since Boogie's been out of the lineup. Uh, also, Scott Labissiere, who mm-hmm. has been buried on the bench all year, ha- against the tanktastic Phoenix Suns on Wednesday, he blew up for 32 points, 21 of which came in the fourth quarter, and 11 rebounds. So, more, are the Kings less screwed than we thought? Well, they still have Vivek Ranadive as their goal, <laughs> right? So, indeed, and Vlade is still their GM, and Vlade is still their GM. So, well, no, I, I think that was definitely very encouraging that Scala Bissier had that game just to sort of remind the franchise that oh, you know, there's another center who can actually play a little bit, and then Willie Cauley Stein has followed that up pretty well. Mm-hmm. So you have some alternatives to Demarcus albeit they're not going to be in that same elite tier. Right. They're going to be decent. Right. Uh, I, I get the whole, when you trade a superstar, then you the ball is going to be shared more and responsibility is going to be picked up here and there. And everyone is singing Kumbaya and it's all good. <laughs> but right. It's not sustainable, though. 
yeah. they need a go-to guy. Who is their go-to guy right now? Tyreek Evans? I mean, come on. <laughs> right. They, they, they lack something major. Um, and, and this is where the injuries to Rudy Gay is really frustrating because I've actually been wanting to see what Rudy could do as like a clear-cut number one option. Hmm. Just scoring wise, I, I yeah. think he could be like a 26, 27 point scorer, and then he could sort of, in his, you know, I guess he he is 30 now. I was going to say late 20s, but he is 30. F- discover that scoring game that could actually elevate him to a contender mm-hmm. somewhere down the line because people would know, okay, those are, for the most part, MC stats. But I do have this belief that if a guy gets that. Um, you know, gets those reps in as a number one option. He, he scores those 25, 27 points a game. His understanding of team and understanding of need to win increases mm-hmm. because then he is finding himself in a situation where he's forced to take a bunch of shots even to stay in the game. And then yeah. when he grows a little bit older, he's sort of like, you know what? I've been there. Now, yeah. it's, now I've had the individual successful accomplishments, whatever. Now it's time to win ball games, and I feel that's sort of what's missing with Rudy. He's always been this second banana, and I mm-hmm. really wanted to see him be like a top one guy for a long time. So the injury really sucked because this would have been perfect for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so we mentioned earlier he recently came out and said he's not sure if he's going to opt out uh, of his contract this summer because yeah. of the injury. It, I would guess he still does, just because. Really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, look at Wes Matthews tore his Achilles in March. He's still got a four-year max deal from Dallas. Wes you... Matthews doesn't jump on his jump shot. He stands still and shoots. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I mean, I just think if Rudy opts out, I think he will still find a deal more to his liking than I... Like, he's not... His, the contract he's on right now is not exorbitant. So it's not no, like not. he's got a one-year $30 million salary w- awaiting. So... For that reason, and especially, I mean, I think you would want the long-term security of a multi-year deal coming off of that injury. Because if you come back and you have the season that Chandler Parsons just had for Memphis, you're not getting anything. That makes sense. You're going to get very little. So maybe he opts out and re-signs there and says, hey, you know, now I can be a 25-point-per-game scorer and I don't care about making the playoffs. Um or maybe they just bolt him over with so much money more than any other contender or any other team that's after him. So maybe for that reason he stays. But I, I do think he opts out. You know, I just thought it's interesting because when the Kings have been loading up on big men, you know, we haven't even talked about Papianis, who they drafted ahead of Skull this year. Like, they, they've been loading up on big men in the draft for the last two years. Um and it was kind of like, hey, you guys know you have DeMarcus Cousins, right? Like, what, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, but, yeah, now now it's starting to – there is starting to be a method to their madness. Like, maybe they've known for a while that they were going to trade him and they wanted to get some good young centers behind him. Like, I, you know, the Skull-Willie Cauley-Stein frontcourt has promised for the future. That said, as you alluded to, there is a distinct lack of talent elsewhere. Uh, yes. Both Darren Collison and Ty Lawson are about to be free agents this summer. Uh, if Rudy leaves, they're going to have a huge hole of the three as well. So there's a lot of work to do, I think, you know, based on what we've heard the last couple years, even with Boogie there, free agents have been reluctant to sign with Sacramento. Like, 
teams have I think Sacramento offers often offers more money to free agents and people <laughs> decline that and say, No, like I'll take a ten million dollar discount to not play for your team. So <laughs> I think it's gonna be very tough for them to be nice. competitive in the next two or three years. A lot depends on what happens with the lottery. You know, they they are they're gonna end up somewhere in the mid lottery, most likely. Um Philly can pick swap with them if they, you know, if they win the lottery. Philly's going to take that pick from them, uh, so they should. All Kings fans should be rooting like hell for both their own team and the Sixers to lose, so they at least increase the chances of getting a top five pick. Uh, they also need to worry about the Pelicans because, inexplicably, the Kings allowed the Pelicans to top three protect that pick in yeah. the boogie trade. So, and the Pelicans have not fared. All that well since that trade, I think they are around seventh in the lottery standings right now. So there is a realistic chance they end up in the top three. Uh, so it's going to be a nerve-wracking night, May sixteenth, uh, for the Kings fans. But imagine they're... if they win the lottery. If the Pelicans do, yeah. Oh, I know. I, I... then that <laughs> trade would just look so, so bad. That would be Baron Davis for Kyrie Irving. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. There is no explanation why they allowed the Pelicans to top three protect that pick. There's just absolutely none. So, I mean, it, it, hell, the pick swap if that comes into play, like that's going to be an egregiously yeah. bad trade because like they did that to free up cap space to sign Rajon Rondo, who's terrible and who left in a year. They gave up. Ugh. Oh, poor yeah. Kings. I'm sorry, yeah. Kings fans. That's We're... why I didn't want to talk about this. This, yeah. is, this is so bad. I feel so bad for Kings fans who listens to this podcast because they're all like, you're crapping on my team every week. Brian. But they know. They know. They know yeah. what's happening. Uh, yeah. So we'll keep our fingers crossed for you, Kings fans, on May 16th. Uh, so let's now move into some playoff race updates quickly. Uh, we talked about the bottom of the East and the West last week. So let's talk about the top of the East this week and then the middle of the West because the top of the West looks pretty pretty sealed, one through three. So the top of the East, Cleveland is one and a half games ahead of Boston, three and a half ahead of Washington, five and a half ahead of Toronto. We also gave Washington the kiss of death last week. We talked about them maybe sneaking up as the number one seed. Now they, they're losing left and right. We uh, should take money from this. I mean, just you know, right. people could pay us to talk well about their team or not not their team, someone else's team, and then yeah. they start losing. Yeah, yeah. So here it's Boston's turn this week. Uh, Boston, you might you might be in danger here because uh, I'm going to ask you more. Do you think there's any chance Boston catches Cleveland? If Cleveland decides to rest guys, then mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, but at the end of the day, if you're Cleveland, do you really care if it's the one or second seed? When you look at the Eastern Conference and the that, fabric of where they're going, that's what I was also going to ask. Is there any team down in that six, seven, eight range, even you know below them? It's right now. I think six is Indiana, seven's Miami, eight's Milwaukee, uh, yeah. Detroit is a game behind Milwaukee, and then your Bulls are a game and a half out. So, is there any team in that range that scares you? If you're Cleveland, if you're Boston, if you're Washington, no. Nope. I agree. I agree. Milwaukee, the most scary, probably. Yeah, yeah, probably the most scary, but they don't scare me in a seven-game series. Right. I would have been scared if Jabari Parker had not gone down. Yes, me because too. Because Chris Middleton has found his game. Yeah, he looked great. 
yeah. he's right back to where he was. But I'm with you. So, yeah, I think I think your take is spot on. Uh, if, if Cleveland, you know, they've just decided like, oh, LeBron James has been playing 36 minutes and he's playing pretty much every game this year. Like maybe we should just give him a three week <laughs> go go to like Costa Rica for a couple weeks, Bron. Like take some time off, get some R and R. Uh, yeah, there's a chance, but I think Cleveland... Well, hell, Wade is out now, so the two yeah. buddies can actually... <laughs> right, they can go on a banana boat, that's true. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, and Carmelo, I mean, Lord <laughs> knows Phil Jackson's been trying to exile him for like three months, so it's really just Chris Paul that's missing out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so I think that's that's right. I, Isaiah Thomas, we should note, is dealing with, I think, a right knee bone bruise. He's going to miss today's game against the Sixers they it sounds like it's not going to be a long-term thing but something to keep an eye on as well but mm. I'm with you if I'm Cleveland or Boston I don't care who I'm playing it I'm not sweating it that hard uh do you think Washington and Toronto are effectively locked into the three and the four respectively yeah, at this point it would seem so but given the somewhat marginal difference it, actually from Boston down to Toronto things could move around a little bit yeah. I'm just not really concerned about the top four seeding it's it doesn't really matter all that much honestly yeah. it seems like it's those four teams and that's it like yeah. i've more or less disregarded everything below toronto at this point right i would be shocked if there was a single first round upset in the east yeah yeah that said you know the second round if it if it holds to form right now in cleveland toronto and boston washington are the two matchups that's going to be frisky, and that, I would have a hard time. I mean, I think Cleveland's still going to beat Toronto because Kevin Love, we should mention, has came back this week. He's yeah. looking good already. Uh, but Boston-Washington is going to be an absolute slugfest if that happens. So let's, let's keep our fingers crossed. We mentioned it last week, but I really want I want a seven-game funeral series. <laughs> <laughs> if you are, like, an avid playoff fan and not, like, a regular season fan... Uh-huh. It wouldn't even, I mean, just skip the first round. doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Just start watching the Eastern Conference playoffs in the second round. <laughs> That's where it's going to get right. interesting. Yeah. Right. But in the West, we should note things are getting a little jumbled. Uh, so as we mentioned earlier, the Spurs have now fallen two and a half games behind the Warriors after briefly taking the lead over them. Uh, the Rockets are five games behind the Spurs, and they are five mm. games ahead of the Jazz so at this point, I don't see any way Houston is anything other than third. It seems like the Warriors are going to be first, Spurs are second. So yeah. we'll, let's just work off of that assumption. Four through seven now is getting pretty interesting. The Jazz are two games up on the Clippers. They're two and a half up on the Thunder. They're three up on the Grizzlies. So who do you think goes, like, how, how do you see that final order shaking out? Actually, how it is right now, I don't think Memphis catches Houston or mm. the Clippers. Maybe OKC, and that is if Russell Westbrook goes down or something, and mm. knock on wood, it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. But uh, I could see this shaking out like this. Maybe, maybe if the Clippers start resting some of their guys in the mm. later stages of the season, because if they are at four, oh, five or six... I mean, they're going up against one of the top teams anyway in the second round, and yeah, yeah, I'm not really that concerned about it either. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, look, 
we were talking about you have to go through the top four in the East. There is a top three and a half in the West that you have to go through. Yeah. I'm kind of sad that Utah isn't like a full team in that sense. They're like the half team in that, uh, in that sense, because they, they've sort of disappointed over the last couple of weeks. I thought Mm -hmm. they would go on like late run and really, really build it up. I think they could regain that touch a little bit though. It's not like they're losing any. They they're not like it's not like they have someone big going down. It's not like Gordon Hayward is missing the rest of the year, or right? Gobert or anything. It's just like a lack of cohesiveness, I guess. Yeah, I'm not really sure what it is. Um, uh, Rodney Hood is out right now. Derek Favors is also out, so they are missing some a couple of rotation guys. I mean, Favors has been it's been a rough season for him overall. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and Hood has not been. He, he was better last year than he was this year, but he's still you know. They're, they're two important pieces, but I'm with you in thinking Utah is the biggest threat outside of Golden State, San Antonio, and Houston. Yeah. That said, who do you think in that Clippers, Thunder, Grizzlies mix is the biggest threat uh, to the Warriors, Spurs, or Rockets? The Clippers. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Because it's a playoff series, and if you only have one guy, and I'm talking about OKC, Mm-hmm. Who can do damage, and that's going to be locked down pretty easily, I could imagine. Memphis, not really seeing anything going on there. They're just going through the Memphis motions. Mm-hmm. They're good. They're interesting. They're tough. They're gritty. They're everything Memphis. But at the end of the day, they're limited because they don't have that big time superstar on their team. They have complementary stars that are leading everyone, and that's that's not going to take them far. And then because I have this idea that Chris Paul is finally going to step up for real in the playoffs. Like I know that his numbers in the playoffs are better than regular season numbers, but mm-hmm. I've been sort of missing seeing him step up and, and scoring more because I think he's a capable scorer who could take on a larger role. And I think now is really the time. I think this is the maybe the last year they're together, all of them. I, yeah. I could see him just going... You know what? This might be the last dance. Now is the time to step up and prove that I am a banana boat worthy type of guy, right? <laughs> right. So, I'm I'm kind of thinking that's where they end up as they are right now. Yeah, some things could move around. Might be OKC move down to the seventh spot and stuff. Memphis, eh, I'm not really sure, but I'm not really seeing any threat either yeah. or. I mean, yeah. for the Clippers' sake, I hope they do move down because. I mean, a first-round matchup with Utah is already tough, but then second round they would have the Warriors, and they would have no chance, just absolutely right. no chance of going to the conference finals, at which point I don't see a way that they don't blow up their team in some capacity. Um, even if they retain Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, J.J. Reddick's also a free agent, and I think it was in that same Mark Stein column where there was just kind of rumblings about, hey, maybe Reddick isn't super happy here. Because uh, he recently called out the team and said they were playing like shit since the All Star break. Uh, so for that reason, I'm actually highest on Memphis in that group. Uh, really? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. You know, I hate to say it, but I feel like the Parsons injury is going to be addition by subtraction, just because he had been so bad for the yeah. really the entire year, and now you just get like 20, 25 minutes that you're not wasting every night. You know, I, I know <laughs> they struggled to beat the Bulls the other night. Uh, Way but, to be delicate, Brian. <laughs> yeah, 
But the like, I think Conley and Marcus Gasol are both. I mean, they're just so good. Uh, and I think you know Marcus Gasol shooting threes this year is such a game changer. It still seems like teams just don't remember that he can shoot threes now. Like the Bulls, a couple times were just like completely asleep, and then yeah. he caught it from behind the arc and just let rip. And they're like, oh yeah, he can do that now. That's yeah. Oh, whoops. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think you know there there is talk that. Um, Omri Caspi, we mentioned him, I think, last week or two weeks ago. Uh, he is supposedly nearing his return from a broken thumb. Uh, I think, again, Mark Stein, I'm pretty sure, was the one who reported that the Grizzlies and the Clippers have been keeping tabs on him. Yeah. Uh, so if like if you add Omri Caspi to that Grizzlies lineup and you swap out basically Parsons with a shooter like Caspi, all of a sudden, you know, I, that's that's been Memphis's Achilles heel for what the last five years they just don't have the necessary shooting uh but i think if if you add caspi to that lineup all of a sudden you know i know sarah if if it's a spurs grizzlies first round series she is not going to be happy so i may be saying this because memphis is now my adopted uh, (laughs) my adopted western conference team but i'm i'm picking grizz as as the biggest threat there but i i mean okc they're also playing really well. Like I'm, I'm honestly the least concerned about the Clippers because I just think there's something weird going on there, and it just seems like may, it might finally be just they know the end is near and the pressure is getting to them. But something seems off with the Clippers. So, but was, something's been seem, seeming off about the Clippers for years. That's, that's why I'm not true. concerned. Like they, yeah. There's always something, and. At the end of the day, they're still there. It's still the same team. It's the same rotation. It's I'm not really that concerned. There's been so much noise that I think they've grown so accustomed to it that I'm yeah I'm not really seeing the problem. Good, fair enough. I will say this: JJ Reddick going out and blasting them is not a positive sign, right. but it might actually put them in their place a little bit. That's true because JJ yeah. has a lot of say on that team. Right. It's so, I know, yeah. It's like when yeah. LeBron comes out and says, you know, talks shit about the Cavs for three weeks, and then they suddenly start playing well. Saying it could have that kind of a galvanizing effect. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was I was doing research for an article last night too, and I saw Maurice Spates even in December like called out the team. It was like, you guys, we need to stop crying to the refs. Like that's <laughs> that's that's been the scouting report on the clippers for years you hit them a couple times they whine to the refs for the rest of the game they're soft they so i don't know i i hope you know i i want this stupid narrative about chris paul to go away you know that he's not a winner because he's never made it past the second round but I'm just not seeing it for the clippers unless they have barring a drastic turnaround in the coming weeks I'm, you know what? Just that note. The the he's not never been a winner. Note not just for Chris Paul, but like generally speaking, mm-hmm. I've never understood it because it takes a whole team to win a right, game. Right, right. So it's like one guy. Oh, he's not a winner. You know, I mean, I get that if you're talking about like all time rankings, like MJ or Oscar or Magic and Larry and LeBron or whatever, that you bring up rings. Mm-hmm. Because the leader can lead you to a certain place and whatnot, but right now we're talking about Chris Paul, who who hasn't won any championships. He was he's not going to end up as the best point guard of all time. That's still matching, and, and you know he's he's not there, um, and yet he's for some reason being singled out. Like he, you can't win. Well, if he can't win, then Blake Griffin can't win. 
right. then DeAndre Jordan can't win, right. then JJ Reddick can't win, then Doc Rivers, who has a title, can't win. Like, come on, just the narrative is tiring, really yeah. tiring. Especially because they like they've run into a historically great Golden State Warriors team for the last couple right. of years. The Spurs just it doesn't matter who they lose; they continue to win sixty games a year. Like, it, yeah, it, the competition he's going up against is insane. It's not. You know, it's not totally his fault. I feel like there was that one, uh, that one series they had against OKC a couple of years ago, where they kind of had OKC on the ropes. I think it was like Game Five, and then he had just like that awful late game turnover. I feel like that cemented the re- reputation of like, yep, mm. he, he just chokes in big moments. Um, but yeah. it's it's fun though because you have a guy like John Stockton, right? No one is saying that John Stockton is not a winner. Everyone. Right is talking about how, oh, he would have won two championships right, right, had right. his era not coincided with Michael's. Yeah. And and in today's world, it's like, nope, nope, doesn't matter if you meet San Antonio or or, or meet Golden State. It doesn't matter. Right. Can't win. You're a yeah. loser. Like, okay, yeah, right. Wow, that's that's harsh, man. You ran into future <laughs> Hall of Famers and Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry, but yeah, it was your fault. doesn't problem. matter. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, so we need to talk about the NCAA tournament. Uh, it started on Thursday. Uh, full disclosure, I did not see very much of it this weekend. My wife, uh, who's a fourth-year med student, just had her match day on Friday, so I've been busy with those festivities all weekend. Um, so, Mort, I'm going to rely on you here to be- <laughs> brief me on some of the NBA prospects, uh, how they fared? Did, did anyone in particular catch your eye in either a good or a bad way? Well, um, I've been a little bit low on Tiaran Fox. Okay. Over the course of the season, because his his uh, lack of shooting ability. Sure. And and while that hasn't gone away, I I did see something that was really optimistic to me in Kentucky's win over Northern Kentucky two days ago. Uh, he received the ball on the right side. He was outside the three-point line, and immediately he took it. And he missed it, but it wasn't like it was far off or anything. The rotation was good, Mm -hmm. and he took it with confidence. Okay, There was this intrigue in that shot because he's been hesitating a lot over Mm -hmm. the course of the season. There's been like – the the fact that he can't hit threes has been a big, big topic. Right, And he's undoubtedly aware of it. So to see him at this stage – take a three-pointer in rhythm without being concerned or whatever. And Northern Kentucky gave them a game, by the way. They were really tough. Yeah. He just, he launched that shot and it was like, okay, he's he's actually very, very uh, acceptive of the fact that he needs to, to do something different. Mm-hmm. That caught my eye because it's those tiny little details that's, that's intriguing to me. And then, of course, he just ran... Northern Kentucky off the floor <laughs> right. getting to the basket because that's what he can do. Yeah. But I just, I love that. Even though if, I'm talking about a missed three-point shot here, but it was just in under the circumstances, how it was taken and everything. I'm I'm not expecting him to become a three-point shooter at the NBA level, mm-hmm. but if he continues to be open-minded about taking it and not second-guessing himself, I could see him develop into a guy that you at least not can leave alone. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, you know, we we talked about this, I think we've mentioned this in previous draft podcasts, especially how you never want to put too much stock into one NCAA tournament game, either good yeah. or bad. Like the results of what happened, like, oh, a guy you know, went one of nine from the field. Oh, we can't spend a top five pick on him. 
So I think what you're bringing up is really interesting because you're valuing, <laughs> to put it in Sam Hickey terms, you're valuing the process over the results. You don't care right. that he missed the shot. You care that like he right away just had that quick trigger and was willing to pull. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. I know he has been shooting somewhat better from three in the last month or so. So that's, yeah, he does. you know, or he has. Yeah. So that's an encouraging flash. Uh, I mean, he's not going to work his way into the Markel Fultz, Lonzo ball debate, but there is that like next tier of point guards with like Dennis Smith jr. From NC state. And then Frank and Uh, I feel like they're kind of all in that like three, four, five range, uh, in terms of point guards, at least. So, yeah, I mean, a couple, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. They, Kentucky uh, is playing Wichita State today. And then, knock on wood, the thing I'm, you know, hoping for, at least from a scouting perspective, is uh, UCLA and Kentucky to each win their next matchup because mm. they would play each other in Sweet 16. Yeah. We'd get to see, I mean, Lonzo Ball versus Fox would be the point guard matchup but we'd also get to see um malik Malik monk Monk. yeah yeah so that would be good uh are there any other prospective matchups we're still waiting we're recording this on sunday we should say so only half of the sweet 16 is filled out are there any other matchups that you're looking forward to either today or ones that you're hoping for next week for a scouting perspective yeah um so kansas and michigan state are playing today that's going to be a game interesting in its own mm-hmm. but the winner is going to meet up against purdue mm-hmm. and purdue has caleb swanigan yes caleb swanigan is extremely intriguing to me he's this he he was an obese child and a teenager i think he was upwards toward 360 pounds ricky o'donnell from sb nation has a great piece on him came out in january you can find it if you just search Google for Caleb Swanigan, and it's one of the first results. So he dropped a bunch of weight, got into the weight program, like just started building up his core and everything. Now he's just this do-it-all big man for Purdue. Like he's scoring, he's rebounding at an elite level. I think he had seven assists against Iowa State the other day, and he shot three of six from downtown. He can hit from the free throw line. And he gets there a lot. It seems like he's... He's not necessarily like a a Kristaps Porzingis or a Carl Anthony Town types like a unicorn. Sure. But but he's got like the same skills. He can shoot and he can pass and he can move well. But he's just like that one tier lower. But that's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. Right. Like he would definitely if I were if I had like a pick in the let's say the fifteenth pick, the middle of the first round, mm-hmm. I would definitely choose him if he was still on the board and the you know what i mean like the the top elite was gone like no one had slipped significantly yeah and i i would definitely have give him a look because it seems like he is just so intriguing in terms of i I think when he's lost that much weight he's going to keep on fighting the good fight you know what i mean yeah he's gonna keep his body atoned he's gonna keep working on it he's gonna slim down he's gonna get stronger I think he's got so much hidden potential. It's crazy. Even though he's not like a bouncy athlete, it's mm-hmm. just he's smart. He's so crafty and so intelligent. Um, really digging his game. Yeah. So, <laughs> fun fact: Draft Express has him 29th right now to the Spurs. Right. So just right. just think about him under Pop and start That'd weeping. Be fun. Yeah, That'd I be know. Fun. I know. It's uh, I, so I'm saying it's gonna. He's 
if that happens, it's going to be another one of the annual, like, oh, this guy should not have fallen this far. He's the Adrian yeah. Murray <laughs> of this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's a good call on Swanigan. It would be fun to see him against Kansas. It seems like, you know, a lot of the big-name schools are still in. We still have UCLA, we have Kansas, we have Duke, we have Kentucky, we have Arizona, we have uh, UNC. But aside mm-hmm. from that, like, we're already starting to dry up in terms of the uh, later first-round prospects. So, like, yeah. we'll, we'll see a lot of the top ten guys moving forward. Uh, we will, again, mention them. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about with them next week. Um, I want to ask this before we move on. Are you worried about Markel Fultz or Den- Dennis Smith Jr. because they did not make the tournament? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Good. Nope. Yeah. So I, you know, it was you know Ben Simmons. Are you nervous about Ben Simmons? Right. No. That's what I was, I was about to say Ben Simmons dealt with that narrative last year, so I wanted yeah. to make sure that uh, you know there was nothing. It's just a matter of the talent around them wasn't strong enough. Right. It was abysmal. Okay. Like abysmal talent around Fultz. Yeah. Especially, I have admittedly I have not seen a whole lot of Dennis, so mm-hmm. I need to uh, go back and watch a lot of those tapes. <laughs> tapes like, like <laughs> tapes. right the VHS, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, old VHS tapes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but but uh, I saw a lot of fools this year, and yeah. I mean, I've I am not doubting him whatsoever. What he is able to do, the way he can twist and turn his body and everything, he is so absurdly good. And he was playing with absolutely nothing you know one thought that's been stuck in my mind all year when watching him play was what if marquez chris had sticked stayed on for just one season i know i'm thinking about that every day almost because that would have been so intriguing yeah and dejunte was there too right oh right yeah so right he he could have played some off ball a little bit more too which would have been yeah like yeah i I don't know i when you when someone goes to the spurs i just I just complete blank on their <laughs> on their pass because it doesn't matter anymore. Right. He's a star. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, he's an all star in five years. It doesn't matter yeah. where he came from. <laughs> That's true. All right. So hopefully we will get a uh, some draft expert on in the next couple weeks so we could talk more about these prospects, especially as the tournament progresses as well. But thank you to Morton for <laughs> keeping up on the tournament while I was otherwise preoccupied this week. Uh, let's now move into our Where Amazing Happens segment because we need to talk about a possibly alarming trend that has arised in the last two weeks. Uh, so the Cavaliers on Saturday night had a marquee game against the Clippers, nationally televised. The Cavaliers proceeded to sit LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love and got blown out by 30-plus points. This is one week after the Warriors and Spurs had a nationally televised Saturday night game, and both sides basically sat out everyone. It turned into like a complete JV game. Uh, Ian Clark (laughs) scored 36 points, which was fun. But aside from that, it was like both sides rested pretty much every one of their major players. Uh, So Mort, do you think this is a problem for the league moving forward and one that requires intervention? And if so, how would you do that for the league? It does not, so I wouldn't even put the league in on this, probably because I don't see it as a problem. There okay. are 82 games over the course of a season. I mean, you need guys to sit out once in a while. Like, mm-hmm. this is universally accepted 
in football. I refuse to call it soccer, by the way, because it's <laughs> football. It's played with your feet. Sure. And I'm European, so right. it would be yeah, so that, religious. That, that's the more important one. Right? <laughs> so that it's universally accepted there that you have guys who on occasion will sit out because, you know, they, they need the rest. Yeah. And that's... that's but it, for some reason in the NBA and they oh, and by the way in football they don't even play that many games that they do that they do in in the NBA if especially if they you have uh, a playoff run coming up as well so I'm not really seeing the big issue I I will say this the ticket argument we touched about yep. this on a little bit earlier in the program mm-hmm. that is the problem to me yep. like what do you do how do you like plan ahead and say, well, this guy is sitting or these guys are sitting. Right. So you, your tickets are coming at a discount. Like what should they do? Should, should you have like a system in place where if you can use you, you, when you save guys, it should be at home. So your mm-hmm. tickets could be slashed in half, like ticket prices be slashed in half. I don't know. It, that would, that would be the part I would ask the NBA about. That would be the part where I talk to the NBA and say, you know what? It's fine that players rest, but then give the fans a break and yeah. make tickets cheaper for those games somehow. Yeah. I forget. I think it was... Uh, I'm trying to remember who was tweeting about this last night. I want to say it was Seth Davis from uh, CBS and from Sports Illustrated who was saying, like, uh, you know, you run the risk of... At any event, you run the risk of, like, a performer not showing up as expected. So, like, that's just contingent in the ticket price. Um, but that's, I mean, that's, like, it's different. Like, if you're going to a concert, if you bought tickets to, like, a Beyonce concert, that Beyonce is just like, no, I'm not going to show up for the night. I'm going to have, like, my backup dancers just do a two-hour concert. So, it's a tough, right. it's a tough thing to say because, yeah, like, I would hate to spend $400 on two tickets and then have to see Ian Clark. No offense to Ian Clark. He's playing really well this year. Uh, hey, if the, those 36 were the bomb. Right. I know. I'm, <laughs> he will be in an article that I'm going to publish shortly. But uh, he's, you know, he's not Stephen Curry. And he's not Draymond Green. He's not Clay Thompson. Right. So that that is a valid concern. I'm actually a little... I You know, we talked about the DNP rest as a concept earlier this season. And we all agreed that the league can't do all that much about it. Because, yeah, these guys do need rest you know like they've only gotten better about like all the biomedical testing and like mm. having these you know these metrics saying like look these guys are fatigued their muscles they're at like higher risk of injury right now because their muscles are tired they're fatigued they need yeah. a game out ultimately the product that most matters in the next three months are the playoffs and you want everyone healthy for the playoffs so if it means sitting out a couple late regular season games that's fine. That said, I do think the league could be more proactive uh, in terms of scheduling. Because if you know that you have a marquee Saturday night game, it should not be coming on a back-to-back for either team. Because yeah, th- that has been the issue the last two times. Uh, the Cavs today play the Lakers. The Warriors last week played the Timberwolves on Friday and then had the Spurs game on Saturday. So you could argue... That, hey, you know, maybe the Warriors should have sat their starters against the Timberwolves. And, hey, maybe the Cavs should have sat their starters against the Lakers. Because, as we said earlier, they could probably beat the Lakers even without all three of their guys. Um, so, I, I, 
you know, I, I think both sides, both the teams and the league, are at somewhat at fault here because the teams could have made a decision to sit their guys against the lesser squad and make sure the sanctity of that high-profile matchup was preserved. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that is moving forward. That is the easiest fix uh, on the league side, at least, because. David Griffin, the Cavs GM, did say last night uh, they announced all three guys were sitting, and then he received a a call from the league office seven minutes later, kind of being like, what's up, David? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You you know, these these billions of dollars we're getting from our TV deal, they pay your salary. You get that, right? You're you're trying to jeopardize this next deal? You want to go back to a $50 million salary cap? Uh, let's, Let's play LeBron next time. So, yeah, I think the... Avoiding back-to-backs uh, when you're coming up with your schedule is the easiest fix, and it seems like the most feasible. Yeah. Well, I, I would I would go one step further, and we've talked about this before. I would start the season two weeks mm-hmm. earlier Yep. because then you could at least minimize the amount of back-to-backs, maybe even eliminate them entirely. Mm-hmm. And I would also add a roster spot. Oh. I would add a, the possibility of having a 16th player on every team. Mm-hmm. And I, then I would increase that in terms of the active list as well. So you don't have necessarily just 13 guys who can dress, but right. 14. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, they showed, you know, in the new uh, CBA, they did add two spots for the, the two-way contract, the guys going right. between the D-League and the, and the uh, regular NBA. So they have shown willingness in that regard to expand rosters a little bit and yeah you know money i'm talking about like full-blown rosters but right 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 like, yeah. yeah yeah but I, I mean i'm saying like they are they're <laughs> they've shown willingness to expand uh beyond the conventional 15-man roster 12 yeah. or 13-man active kind of thing um so yeah i mean i i don't see any reason not to like at this point there are so many talented guys it's not a matter of whether we have enough talent in the pipeline, both in the U.S. and internationally, to justify that extra roster spot. Because I think, yeah. you know, look at like look at what we talked about earlier. There have been a lot of young guys who were not getting opportunities earlier this season, and now they are, and they're showing out. Like there are a lot of guys like that just floating around. Hi, Yogi Ferrell. Yeah, right. Exactly. exactly. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I, I'm with you. I, I would be open to that and. Lord knows the money is money is not a problem in the NBA, and it's not like those right. guys on that 14th spot are going to get anything more than a minimum contract anyway, most likely. So, yeah, I'm I'm all for that. And then, hey, we never know. We could see Carlos Boozer come back from China and star in a mid-March <laughs> Saturday night TV game. Where he, oh, he the only thing he yells for a, an hour and fifteen minutes is and one yeah right which you can hear halfway across the country correct all right that's actually how the Lakers got their interest in him they didn't even watch him play in Chicago right. they just heard and one and figured yeah. he must be really good because he's getting and ones all the time we right. better we better sign him yeah and there I think again I hate to keep citing this Mark Stein report but I think he was the one who also reported that teams are keeping an eye on Boozer in China. So it sounds like we, I think his team is like, might make it to the Chinese league finals, which would mm. interfere with his ability to sign in time for the playoffs. But 
it, it seems like we might have a Carlos Boozer sighting back in the NBA soon. Which I That's fine with me. He's a good guy. Yeah, He's a good I am, guy. I'm eagerly anticipating that. So let's wrap things up with our crushes of the week. Just as a reminder to all the listeners out there, this is our segment where we shine a spotlight on some guys who don't get the, the, the attention they deserve. We're trying to give them a little bit of extra love. So Mort, who's your tr- crush of the week? I don't remember if you, one of you guys have picked him up uh, before. I think you might have. James Johnson. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really digging the way he's playing. Um, he's living up to the potential that he had when he was drafted 16th back in 09, I believe. Yep. So at the age of 30, he's breaking out. Yeah. And for some reason, I, I find that very enjoyable. Uh, he's he's hitting threes. He's defending. He's passing. He's doing all that stuff that you were envisioning envisioned from him when he came up from Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he never really found a home in the NBA, which I think is partly to blame for his somewhat disappointing career overall. Yeah. Now in Miami, he's playing twenty seven minutes a game. He's coming in as the sixth man. He's playing both forward spots, and he's just doing everything. He's found his role. Um, whether that's going to lead to something bigger in the future, I don't know, but I'm enjoying the moment. Yeah, yeah, that is a great call. I think want to say last week in Zach Lowe's 10 Things I Like column, one of his recent ones, he shouted out James Johnson and was just like, this dude's playing so freaking well it's just it's great to see i mean he he james johnson has been a big reason why miami turned their season around after starting 11 and 30 um so he's so aggressive like defensively he's just so logged in it's i don't remember a time where i've seen a guy that size move the way he has he's sort of like tony allen but 6'9 yeah 50 <laughs> yeah it's he's been playing sensationally so it's a credit to him and a credit to the heat organization frankly for finally tapping into that talent that's been there um my crush we already mentioned him earlier in the episode but Mm. i want to want to give him a full shout out alan williams man big sauce since since the trade deadline which is when tyson chandler moved to the bench so he's 12 games now in 25 minutes a game he's averaging almost 14 points 10 rebounds more than a block, more than an assist, almost a steal. Shooting almost 55% from the field. Eight double-doubles in 12 games. Just kudos to Big Sauce. Kudos to the Suns organization for finding him and giving him a chance. Like He barely played at all earlier in the season. In the couple games he did, he would double-double in 20 minutes. And then he would fall right back out of the rotation. So I'm glad... you know, In that sense, I'm glad the Suns have embraced the tank a little bit. Because now they yeah. see... Like, he's a real NBA player, and he deserves a sizable role moving forward. Like, he's, I am higher on the Suns than I was a month ago because of Alan Williams and Tyler Eulis, the latter of whom I am very sad that no one stole at the trade deadline. I'm actually kind of shocked by that because now his price just went up exponentially. Um, And Williams is a homegrown kid as well. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Oh that, right, that, that right, 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 right. Born in Phoenix. Like, wow. Went to 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 uh, high school in Arizona. I mean, I like I like that little subplot. It's sort of like the Udonis Haslam story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh? Yeah. I didn't realize he was born in Phoenix. That's awesome. Yeah. He's home, man. Wow. Yeah. That's why he's playing so well. 
Yeah, that that is probably why. Yeah, I'm actually I'm writing a thing uh, for B-Ball Breakdown right now. I did this last year too about the best value contracts in the NBA. Oh, I remember that. That yeah. was good. So I've got another one coming, which is where spoiler uh, Ian Clark will be on that list. But had Allen Williams been playing the whole year, there's no way he would not be very prominently featured on that list. So uh, I hope for his sake and for the Suns' sake, they can stay together for a long time and hopefully at a reasonable price. (laughs) All right, so that's going to do it this week for the NBA podcast. Again, check us out on Twitter at the NBA pod. You can find all three of our handles in there as in our bio as well. So check us out. Give us a follow. Uh, You can find us on iTunes. We'd love it if you subscribe, download, leave us some reviews. Any feedback would be greatly appreciated. And again, check out FanRag Sports at FanRag Sports on Twitter and at FanRag NBA for all of their NBA content. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. Likewise, Brian. All right, take care. Welcome to Total Wine and Mort. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorists Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.